Buffs Nation. What's going on? Thanks for joining us again on the Buffs Nation podcast. This is our last episode before uh, we're back in regular season form. I'm Tyler Walgie. Jared, all to my right. Jared, how are you? I, I think I need more preseason work. I don't think I have had enough practice <laughs> here to be ready for a regular season. This is this episode. is it. The I, uh, hasn't knocked all the rust off quite no, yet. No, not quite yet. Jerry's always been a little rusty though. <laughs> That's the beauty Jared's of college football rusty. though. It's just like it's a couple of weeks and you go. You know, you don't have this long drawn out off season like the NFL does. So. Whenever I describe Jared, rusty is the word I think of. <laughs> but no, you're right. It it happens quick. Before you know it, I mean we're starting starting the season and uh, the Buffs next Monday they're gonna get back to their regular or get to their regular season schedule where they're preparing for games, getting ready, and uh, so this week is the final week where the Buffs are you know still going like Carl Durrell said this week you know in his mind it's still spring it's still spring training you know time to iron out those you know few things you, that you need to iron out make sure everything's straightened up this is where you're getting special teams ready and things like that but uh, Buffs got a couple more days before they're in you know regular season routine. So it's exciting. We're we're finally here. And school went back this last week up in Boulder. Yeah, so school's that's... back in. School's out for summer for all you uh, kids out there. That's an old song by... Is that Alice? Alice Cooper? I believe so. School's out. Ryan Parry. <laughs> Ryan uh, Smith, producer extraordinaire. What's going on? I'm doing great, man. Uh, got... Uh, got my tickets not too long ago yeah they're all digital this year know, everyone's digital of, i and think it's gonna be a pain but it's gonna be a pain for look we i think it, we're gonna do fine with it you know but i sit in a section with a lot of people who've had season tickets for a long time we're, right we're dealing with some you know it's it's funny some people who i sit around i still talk to communicate with and they like to listen to the show and uh <laughs> I have a feeling that once I see some of them at the UNC game, they're going to say, hey, can you get this hooked up for me? I'm having trouble listening. <laughs> you're you're going to uh, turn into an IT guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it, it, look, in all seriousness, this may be you know something where for the first couple weeks, because week two is in Denver at Mile High. Yeah. So for the first couple weeks, this may be kind of an issue. Well, so. especially because historically speaking, for those who have tried to follow other games while at Folsom, yeah. uh, the, the Wi-Fi or the, the internet there is ridiculous it's awful you get you get no signal you can't get anything so i'm afraid you're not even gonna be able to pull up your ticket while you're there it's gonna get backed up it's gonna be bad and here maybe we can help out real quick i just pulled up my ticket the season tickets email that we got and it says see you buffs fan your mobile tickets are ready click the links below to add these tickets to your google pay or apple wallet so here's what i recommend doing uh if you have a parent, grandparent, whatever, going to the games, or if you need help from someone, find somebody who can you know work these phones pretty well. <laughs> Go to the email on your phone where you got the tickets, and there you can download each game individually to what's called your Apple Wallet. There you'll have it access to it for every game. And what I also recommend doing is take a screenshot because these are all going to be uh, uh, barcodes, just like a regular ticket. Take a screenshot of every game so you have it saved on your phone. So if there's any, like Jared said, internet problems or any issue connectivity problems, then you have it now saved on your phone as a picture. So I recommend doing all that for the games this year. But every game is going to be wireless tickets for the buffs. But uh, I mean, look, you understand with the COVID and everything like we, that. We might have to add a new segment in the show of just tip, tips for getting in the stadium. <laughs> right? Customer service help. Seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a, a strong point for us. <laughs> it's not bad. It, it, it can be confusing. You need the clear bags now, you know, because yeah. I go with Allie mm-hmm. and all the crap that, you know, you know what's bringing to games. You it's know like, what, what I need help with at Folsom oh. is 
Somebody explain to me all the different recycling bins. I get so intimidated and confused when I walk cups, up This there. one's for trash. This one's for liquids. This one's for nothing. This it, one's well, for... Well, see, Jared, you're doing it wrong. You need to separate it out between whites and colors. Yeah. Oh. That's a- <laughs> I've been doing it wrong all these years. All oh, these God. Years. All right. So on today's show, we're going to have some fun. We're going to just talk some general buffs, a few more things that we haven't gone over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we'll just kind of, like I said, have some fun with it, play some over-unders, you know, get to, get to some uh, difficult predictions and all that fun stuff but let's start off with a segment that we haven't had the first couple shows because let's face it in the middle of august there's not much to go back on in history but we love a segment this day in cu buffs history it doesn't always fall on the day we're recording the show i think the one we have uh, for this week is well for the 26th a couple days from now but just so everyone knows we're recording on august 24th we record every tuesday and shows come out every tuesday night but uh, ryan let's get to it this day in cu buffs history what do you got for us today so yeah this day is uh, august 26th 1990 and uh, cu and tennessee battled uh, in the inaugural disneyland pig pigskin classic in anaheim california and the game ended in a 31 31 tie 31 31 so that was CU's one of their first games of their national championship year, right? They started one one and one that season. Went on to a win at all. Correct. So yeah, yeah, that is the one. Tie. I know, right? It's the worst thing in sports. <laughs> but, tie. but also something that kind of stuck out right there, Ryan. The did you say the Disneyland Pigskin yeah. Classic? Disneyland Pigskin. Did they play classic. in Disneyland? I mean, that would have been kind of... Uh, that's a good question. Let me see here. <laughs> oh, it's just a sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the Tostitos no, they, Well, they played at Anaheim or... Stadium. I, I, I'd have to look where that is. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, Tennessee was ranked number eight, and Colorado was number five. So CU in Tennessee flew to Anaheim <laughs> to, play, to play each other. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All about that money. Yeah, right? that, uh, that that classic game went from 1990 to 2002, actually. And then they, they stopped doing like the um, kind of the inaugural kickoff games until about 2008 when they started doing the Chick-fil-A kickoff. Well, I love game. that they're coming back. And as a matter of yeah, fact, cool. this new alliance with the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC, we're going to see more uh, better high-profile games early in the year. I was reading online, you know, how could this impact the buffs uh, immediately? And obviously, down the line, you know, TV money, things like that. But for the next couple of years, games are uh, slots for non-conference that aren't scheduled yet. Pac-12 teams are going to start playing ACC and Big Ten teams. And so, yeah. you know, all this nonsense of playing UNC before the season, that's going to be gone real quick. So I love that yeah. about the alliance. So but, uh, uh, one, one qu- last quick uh, fact here is that there actually just used to be only 11 games in the regular season. So these classic games would add for a 12th game, just like the Jim Thorpe Classic, which actually CU played in in 2001, I believe, when nice. they won the Big 12 championship. Gotta love it. There we go, Ryan. Nice job with this day in CU both history all right let's get to some uh let's get to some over under right now uh i I saw the line in vegas is four and a half for the cu buffs over under win total and i just started laughing i'm going wait a minute wait a minute we don't see five wins on this schedule now i understand colorado according to phil Steele, has the ninth toughest schedule in the country for those who haven't been paying attention, there's about 130 teams, okay? <laughs> so the CU's got a tough schedule for sure. But we're talking North Col- uh, Northern Colorado, uh, Oregon State, uh, Minnesota, 
and Arizona. I mean, I see four right there. Jared, I know you always bring some up when I bring when I say Arizona because CU's had their struggles in the past with the Wildcats. Actually, Minnesota's the one for me that I can't put on that list is just to uh, check that off the list as a win. So I, I'm, I'm going to go over with you. Um, I don't know if you said that or you insinuated it. I'm going over I, as well. At, but probably closer to four and a half than I think you would be on it. This See, is a know, tough, tough schedule. I know it's a tough schedule, but here's the thing. is, is If CU looks good early, and even if the Buffs don't get the win against Texas A&M, that game has a lot to do with, I think, the trajectory of this season. Because the Buffs, even in a loss again, and I think there's a lot of ways the Buffs win that game. It's altitude, Texas A&M's young. But even with a loss there, it's how the Buffs look. And if they come out of that game with confidence, looking good, I think that... Minnesota, Arizona. I mean, I really believe the Buffs could be as good as eight or nine wins this year if they get off to a good start. So, you know, I think that it's not necessarily bull or bust or anything like that. I don't want to put unnecessary pressure on this team, but I do think that four and a half is ridiculous for a win total. I get it, though. I get the national perception, and CU's got to change that. They've been good uh, a couple years in the last, you know, five or six, but it's the consistency that the people are looking for nationwide. So I kind of understand it. Tough schedule. The Buffs haven't proven it to them they can do it, but for me, on the inside, seeing this, you know, seeing this team ready to go, the depth. I, I think that four and a half is easily doable. Yeah, I, I think you even if you look at that first stretch it, where you're talking Northern Colorado, Texas A&M, Minnesota being your non-conference, then your first two conference games at Arizona State, then USC. That's that's where it's really the key. That beginning of the season, even if you come out of there, let's even say you get two, three wins out of that. I still look at the rest of the schedule, and I I, I believe that you can come away with five wins. I, I don't think there's anything oh, less yeah. than five. Wins I didn't mention seeing. at Cal so, earlier. Is, is a, sure yeah, Cal? Yeah, sure. I even look at at UCLA. Um, you know, those are games that you can you can and should win. I think CU will, if not be the favorite, they'll be very close right. in that as far as the odds go. So I look at four and a half as too low. I think maybe five and a half, maybe six and a half would be an appropriate over under. But what's happening now is you're doing the same thing that a lot of people are doing, and it's sure. projecting how we perceive these teams right now. If CU starts off 2-0 and with Texas A&M Absolutely. or 3-0 and with those big wins, we're talking about a top 20 team right now, okay? So things happen quickly. Things change quickly. And if we're talking about, hypothetically, number 20, number 19 Colorado going to an unranked Arizona State team, now things have totally shifted. And, so, And speaking of ranked teams, CU, I believe, has six ranked teams <laughs> on their schedule. Crazy. They're one wow. of two teams yeah. in, in NCAA that have six ranked teams to start the season. And it is Obviously, nuts. like I mean, you tell, like Tyler said, it, it could very much change up and down. We can't ignore the fact that they do have a tough schedule, as I said, but you know, you, you bring it on. Absolutely. You're only going to play who's on the schedule, and I think this is an exciting opportunity. You get a chance to show how good you can really be. And, and on the flip side of what I said earlier, you know, you come away two wins is probably a low end of coming out of those first five games. If you can come out, you know, four and one out of that, you know, maybe you're only lost to A&M. Man, you're feeling really, really good about where you are getting two conference wins there. So I absolutely think that first five games is kind of key to this buff schedule. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the real tough games are going to be those high-profile games on the road, okay? At Oregon on uh, October 30th, that's going to be a tough game. At Utah, last game of the season, that's going to be tough. But CU goes on the road five times this season. And look, for, for me, obviously, you know, season tickets, last year... Every game we're watching on TV, it was so weird. Yeah. I, w- I was actually going back and watching, I forget which game it was, but it was a home game. And I remember thinking, I, I remember seeing this last year. I remember watching this on TV. 
And it's just bizarre watching CU in their home uniforms on TV. That was so weird last year. So this year, only five road games. It's like, okay. It's a nice little balance. You only get five, you know, <laughs> watching on TV this year. But either way, they only go, have to go on the road five times. One of them at Arizona State, certainly a winnable game. At California, certainly a winnable game. And then at UCLA, certainly a winnable game. We're talking about, even though CU's schedule is one of the hardest in the country, a lot of these games are in Boulder at home where CU's had upset after upset. And we're not even talking when CU was you know, having their best years. I mean, the, the year where the Buffs beat number one Oklahoma, wasn't that just like a seven and five season? I mean, Yeah, I think that was in the Hawkins era where mm. <laughs> he never had any good right. race seasons. <laughs> the Hawkins era. It's, it's like one of those moments in history where you just kind of... I know, everyone kind of just gets that look on their face, that sour <laughs> look on their face. But four and a half, you know, I would take the over certainly. And uh, look, as I said, the Buffs are going to have to prove it, but I think they absolutely are capable of doing so. All right, we kind of went over the schedule right there, but let's talk about the game that we're the most excited for. And just so you know, in terms of the audience, we kind of, look, I'm excited for every game. I think that I speak for Jared and Ryan. They're excited for every game. We're later going to talk about the must-win game of the season. These are just fun ways to break down the schedule, talk about some games coming up, and you know, obviously, we're excited for every game. Every game's a must-win. But if you guys had to pick for the segment for fun, what's the game you're most excited for this season? And I'll start... And, you know, this may be obvious, maybe not, but it's A&M. Now, how often do you get the chance to beat a top 10 SEC opponent at Mile High Stadium? Yeah. And it's cool because I think that CU is going to kind of be working with a bit of a home field advantage in two ways, the altitude and the proximity to the campus. I think Texas A&M is going to fill that stadium up half and half. Absolutely. I mean, there's going to be a uh, lot. Let, let's say probably 70-30 A&M. A&M. That yeah. may be the case. This is an opportunity to travel to a, a nice state in, in Colorado. Let, let, let's face it here. When you're in Texas and you're playing Alabama and well, Georgia and Texas Missouri. transplants are in Colorado yeah, exactly. anyway. But I'm just saying, I mean, you know, Colorado is a good place to kind of vacation and travel and and. I've already read online, A&M's expecting a huge turnout for that game. So while the fan base may be a little, even shifted towards A&M, the altitude and the proximity gives CU somewhat of a home field advantage. So you have a huge opportunity. Now, let's not overlook UNC. You know, bad things can happen if you don't get off to the start we're expecting. But I'm most excited this year for that second game of the season. Top 10 SEC team coming to Denver. Quick side note on that. Go get a ticket if you haven't already. Yeah. Go buy a ticket for that game so that CU fans can sell out that stadium where and not you, A&M fans. Where are you guys sitting? Do you guys know off the top of your head? I don't. We're, uh, we're, we're you guys got tickets. Uh, so I asked them, uh, just for the listeners, Jared and Ryan uh, split. They share season tickets, so they get Correct. their uh, games together. Uh, where are your tickets at, Ryan? Do you know? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure right off the top of my head, but we're in, that, uh, we're in the 300, so right in the middle. Okay, and is then, that is that? Uh, and then we're in one of the corners. Is that club or is that just like I think the it's big middle? Considered section. the club level, yeah. it's not club seats. We're not that rich. <laughs> yeah, we would be so out of place. Lose media and, does not pay that well, right? <laughs> yeah, and they don't take care Wait, of tickets either. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so and I'm trying to bring my tickets up for some reason. The StubHub app isn't working. Isn't that how it always goes? The one time in the in the whole week where I'm like on a on a clock and I need the app to work. It's not going to work. <laughs> and I tried turning the internet off. So I don't know. guess we're not getting StubHub. I know, a, right? Uh, sponsor, but uh, huh? I know, exactly. Um, <laughs> but I actually did. So I get season tickets, but I had the option to include my tickets in the thing this year. In the, Or excuse me, I had the option to include the A&M tickets in my season package this year. Uh, but I didn't do it because what they do 
is if you have season tickets, they try and match where you are in the stadium. And I sit rather high. I'm 50 yard line, but but up there in in, in Folsom Field. So apparently, which is not a bad seat. At oh, Folsom. It's, uh, it's like a club level at right. mile high, right? So Folsom, it's a great seat, but it's just up there. So when they do the equivalent, quote unquote, for mile high. I'm always in the nosebleeds. I'm like, hold on a second. You know, this is not equivalent. You know, so I, I passed this year for that, and uh, I got my own tickets on StubHub, like I said. But yeah, get your tickets. Show up for that game. See who needs the support. Don't say it's in Denver. You know, a lot of excuses. It's if you live in Boulder, get there. It's not a long drive. Hell, we live in Denver. We drive to Boulder every game. It, it's it's doable. Trust me. And if you live in Denver, you may not have a lot of opportunities to go to Boulder, see the Buffs, come out, support CU in Denver when they take on a Texas A&M. That game's September 11th, 1.30 at uh, Mile High Stadium. Yep, I'm calling it Mile High. Not budging there. <laughs> uh, all right, Jared, game you're most excited for? I'm going to go USC, and I think it's just one of those where I really want to see them get over the hump in that game. That They've never beaten C- at USC. I, I, I really want to see that happen. I think this is the year they can do it. I don't think USC should be ranked 15 in the country. I, I honestly don't think that they're there. So, well, and there, there's all there's an interesting question that comes up. You know, uh, I do another show, College Football Tailgate, and on there we were talking about Scott Frost, how much I hate Nebraska, and my co-host said, "Yeah, but doesn't that mean you don't want him to leave if you hate the coach <laughs> and he's not successful?" So it's kind of the same thing with Clay Helton. I mean, let's sure. face it, USC has the profile to get a lot of head coaches they want. Keep Clay there, man. Keep him there. I'm okay with this year after year. All this false, uh, you know, expectations. I'm fine with it. So this whole Clay Helton thing, I'm okay. And CU's almost broken through. We play them well. So close. close. They've played. They've played USC so close. In fact, really had a couple of games where it was just a player two but that now, wasn't made at the end of the game. This year, there's added incentive and added motivation because you're going to be dealing with. Uh, uh, Receiver who left last oh, year. Oh, uh, Katie Nixon. Katie Nixon is going to be on the other oh, side. So yeah. that's a little I, extra. That didn't even factor into oh, it. Now on, I'm even man. more excited for yeah. this game. Don't right you now. love how I've already forgot his name, too? I know. Once you're not a buff anymore, you're dead to me. <laughs> but uh, I like that, man. I like that USC game. And the reason why it's important, it's our second uh, Pac 12 game, first one first back in, in Boulder. Yeah. And it's the last game of this first uh, five game stretch before CU's bye week. So it's important to end with a bang and strong. And I think that's a good time to get USC. You know, get them early in the year when injuries are going to happen. We always say this. You never wish injuries on anybody. But CU may deal with a couple this year. So the earlier you get USC, the more complete roster Well, you and have. look at USC's trend over the last four or five years. They've started strong. Yep. Um, and that's why Clay Helton always keeps his job because everyone's feeling exactly. good about the direction <laughs> they're going at the, the end of the season. So I could tell I took Ryan's. I saw the look on his face. We don't discuss any of this <laughs> yeah. beforehand. That's yeah, good, though. Maybe some pre-production <laughs> would be helpful. You got USC, too, no, Well, I, so I was going to say both the ones that you guys both took. So A&M, is, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, a chance for for CU to come out and uh, you know knock off a top ten team yep. and and what a way to uh, start off the 2021 season but uh, with a huge W. Then I was going to go with USC. You know. Get, get an opportunity to get that monkey off their back. Um, I've always played them well, but couldn't can't quite get over the hump. So I'm actually going to go uh, a little bit later in the year for what could shape up to be a huge game, and that's Washington uh, in Folsom. Okay. And so you know, Washington's going to be good this yeah, year. I know. So Washington, they're looking like they're going to have a pretty solid team, um, and hopefully, you know, 
uh, if things work out the right way, you know, maybe a top 20, top 15 matchup there, um, you know, both both ranked teams and, you know, the last last game of the last home game of the year. Yeah, that'll be obviously senior day, November 20th. And uh, it's always a fun game to go to Washington at home. God, it's a good one. See, he's got a good schedule. I'm ready. I am ready. All right, let's get on to the must-win game of the year because it's different, right? The game you're most excited for and then the must-win game of the season. Uh, I'm going for the must-win game at Arizona State. This is going to be a big game for the Buffs. First Pac-12 game. It's on the road. And after Texas A&M and Minnesota, a lot of things could have happened, right? And like Jared was saying before the show, how are we supposed to know the must-win game without knowing what their record's going to look like. And it's like, well, that's kind of the difficult part about this. But I think Arizona State, despite what happens against a Minnesota, UNC, it's going to be important to start things off the right way. Now, let's go best case scenario. Buffs are 3-0, and okay? You want to win this first Pac-12 game. It's going to do no good to beat A&M, beat Minnesota, and then go on the road, lose to Arizona State, now 0-1 Pac-12. Now, let's go worst case scenario. You're 0-3, <laughs> losing to UNC, A&M, and Minnesota. Let's go worst case scenario 1 and right? 2. <laughs> but, okay. still, but still, 0-3 going into this game, and if you win, well, now you can look at, okay, we're 1-0 Pac-12. We can turn things around in conference. So I think that game has a lot of weight on it. I think that's the most important game for the Buffs to win. So I'll go must-win game, Arizona State. I actually had the same game as well. I really do think that is the the key game, and, and exactly what you said. I think you laid it out, out there. It's all about how you start out in the Pac-12. The Buffs have done that in the past. Yeah. They've played well in, in non-conference games, and then they get in the conference, and they blow it. And so I think that's a big one to start out. But as a secondary game, the other one that I actually think is oddly very important is the Minnesota game. And, and again, looking at both scenarios, you come out of that A&M game with a win. To then have a letdown loss to Minnesota, I, I think it undoes everything you accomplished as a team and beating AM, you have no momentum then rolling into to conference play. And then if you come off of a loss to AM, you go lose to, to Minnesota. Now you're one and two. You are you're really behind the eight ball in a tough, tough conference schedule. So I think that's a very important game to either reset yourself if you come off of a loss to AM or prove it wasn't a fluke if you do manage to win that game against AM. Ryan, must win game of the season for buffs. For yeah, the buffs. Again, like you were saying, it's hard to pick a must win when you don't know what your what your record is but um yeah i think what you laid out with arizona state that's got to be your must win there um you know going to uh to arizona state um you know away from Folsom. um hopefully you're you're you know three and oh two and one after those first three and then you know just gotta keep uh, hit the ground running uh going into pac-12 play and let's not forget arizona state dealing with some off the field issues too maybe distracted early on in the season here's my fear with arizona state is in theory the only things that are really going to be affected at arizona state are the future right, right. future recruiting classes you know sanctions so violations gonna rally behind right and yeah. is everyone going to say this is our year to go make something happen to go win a pac-12 championship let's let's do it for for herm maybe i mean at, at, that, at that point i don't think it matters because cu is going to be hungry ready to go they're going to be zoom in three you know four three games in but that's a good point. You know, all those distractions may not be the big deal we think it is. But uh, either way, Arizona State going to be a big game. September 25th on the road, first road game of the season. All right, now let's get to the defense and let's talk uh, tackles. Let's talk tackles because last year, Nate Landman, amazing season. Now the Buffs only played, again, six games last year. But Nate Landman led the team in total tackles. He had 53. Next highest on the team was Carson Wells with 37. 
Do we see, my question is, do we see that kind of dominance again this year from Nate Lambin? Because this always happens where it's preseason, it's spring training, we're so excited about the depth, all these different players, and that's okay. That's good to get excited about those things. But then game one comes around, and it's, oh, I remember this story. There's Nate, or on offense, maybe there's Dimitri. So these things sort of, you know, again, we get caught up in things. It's the offseason. But do you think that game one comes around and it's just Groundhog Day? It's just Nate Lamon out there flying around, eating up all those tackles? Yes. <laughs> right. uh, emphatically, yes. He, he's a machine. As long as he's healthy, which all indications are that he's very healthy and ready and eager, I think you see a very motivated, driven, focused, in shape guy that's probably been working out harder this offseason than he ever has oh, to get back sure. from this injury. I think Nate Landman is going to going to be a machine and I, I I really look forward to seeing what he does this year. We thought he was going to be gone last year. We thought there was no way he didn't go to the and NFL draft. And I think draft. he would have without that injury. Yeah, you're, you're probably right, but I think that CU's linebacker core this year is a lot better than it was last year too, where Nate Lamon was clearly the best player. I mean, this year you're talking Robert Barnes, obviously Carson Wells, Jack Lamb. There's some players that are going to be around Nate Landman. So it's not just the production and how good Nate can be. It's everyone else around him. So you got to factor that in too. But I think I agree. We're going to see Nate out there doing what he always does. Um, Carson Wells, though. You know, Carson Wells is going to have a big, big role on this defense. And I think he's the one guy who could maybe be, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say most improved because he was great last year. But if there's going to be kind of that one star who steps up and does a lot of versatile things, Carson Wells could be the guy to kind of fill that role. The way I would put it is he could solidify his 2020 season. I think he could reaffirm what we all saw and that, like, yes, he is really this good. This wasn't a fluke because I want to say he came out of nowhere, but he was a solid player for the Buffs before that. He was not mm -hmm. the star he showed he can be. And so I think he can back that up with a really good 2021 season. And and he, to me, is sort of the X factor of this defense. You, you sort of expect Nate Landman to be that rock, 100 tackles, you know, playing in the middle, where Carson Wells can make a lot of different plays in a lot of different ways. If he can get after the quarterback, if he can make, you know, plays in coverage as well, I really expect him to be the X factor in how good this defense can be. And let's, uh, before we move off the defense, look at the, at the back end of things. And folks, we're just kind of going over a few notes, you know, things we may have missed last couple of weeks, new things that have come out. And uh, an article that was written only, I think, yesterday, two, a couple of days ago, uh, cubuffs.com, Neil Welk. Uh, he came out and said, you know, Mark Perry is looking really good and he's strength in the back end of that defense. And the way he phrased it is now back at home at safety. So it's obviously a place that where Mark Perry's comfortable. And, uh, you know, we talked about Mark Perry last couple of years. You know, was there maybe some inconsistencies? I think this could be a big year for Mark Perry and him kind of coming through for this defense. And that's really good to see and hear coming out of camp because if you remember back to last, last week's episode, he was one of the guys I kind of called out saying, I, I want to see he's a guy that has to prove to me that he can be that reliable every down player. So to hear he's he's turning heads and he's feeling more comfortable in his role at safety, that's a really good thing for the Buffs defense. All right, offensively, uh, some... You know, not great news uh, with the offensive line. It's nothing so super new or something that CU's dealing with, you know, the last couple of days. But the offensive line depth is something that's exciting. But right now, tackle is a position where they're a little 
uh, banged up. You know, Frank Phillip, who was projected to be the starter, he's ruled out with an injury. He's not going to be back till third, fourth week of the season. So currently, they only have four healthy tackles on the roster at this moment. So CU is a little uh, thin at tackle. That's going to be a big deal week two at A&M. So uh, something to look for in this UNC game, and we're not breaking down UNC till next week, but something to look for in that first game we always pay attention to does the quarterback come out? How much are they subbing the receivers, the D-backs, all that? Watch the line because something's telling me they're going to get a lot of guys working on the line who may not typically play tackle, things like that, getting some work in there. Well, and be very thankful for a couple of transfers in in Max Ray and Noah Fenske that are guys that are able to fill in uh, the, those depth spots and potentially be your starters at, at tackle. If, if not for those guys, imagine how thin that spot would really be looking. Yeah, exactly. But look, that is one thing to where... The guys on the roster and the, quote, backups who are now getting some more time, it's all familiar names. It's guys who I really trust in. So that is one thing. If you're going to be thin, have guys who you can rely on and have faith in. O-line, you know, or I should say offensive tackle, little little thin right there, but I don't think it's going to be too big of a concern. Uh Interesting note here out of Boulder, uh, leadership is blossoming, and it's something that last year was kind of missing. And Carl Durrell said that last year. He was looking for that guy to step forward. Who was going to be that leader? And this year, apparently, there's no shortage. Punch, a bunch of guys stepping forward. And I think it's due to this coaching staff giving these players more responsibility. We talked to Montana Limonius Craig about it uh, uh, last week where you know he's walking through, doing you know taking new recruits on tours, things like that. Um, and also, they're doing player-led activities, player-led things within the team, within the locker room, giving players more responsibility and more say in what happens with the team. So it's it's very good leadership blossoming coming out of Boulder. And again, last week before the regular season actually starts, this is the exact kind of news that gets you excited about the leadership and the intangibles uh, moving forward this season. Uh, let's get to some difficult predictions. Uh, difficult predictions for the season. We're going to just throw out some stuff and break down this team based on how we see things going. Now, the first one, this is kind of an interesting way to phrase it because receiver on this team is going to be deep. And we know how good... It, what I was telling Ryan before the show, I can't believe Dimitri Stanley's only a sophomore. You know, Seriously. So, yeah, so the question here, difficult predictions, who will be the third on the team in receiving yards? Not first, not second, who will be the third on the team in receiving yards? I am going to go right there with Dimitri Stanley. And he was the leading receiver for the Buffs last year with 335 yards, well ahead of, of uh, Levante Chenault, who was at 193 yards. But I do think the emergence of Levante Chenault and Brandon Rice are going to be the number one and number two leading receivers for the Buffs. So I have Dimitri Stanley as the third leading receiver. I've got Levante as okay. number three. Yeah, and look, it's just sort of who do you pick here, right? Because sure. all these guys are going to be good. And I do and think they'll be close. They'll be three or four very close to I the think top. there's going to be – I think we're going to get major production from a lot of receivers this year. But I think that Dimitri Stanley will pull ahead. I think that he's going to have several more catches than the, than the next guy. And I just saw his development last year. It looked like towards the end of the year, even with Katie Nixon in the mix, Demetri Stanley was that favorite target. So um, I like Demetri Stanley. I think he's going to kind of pull away there. But uh, Brennan Rice, I, I think he's going to have a good year too. But Levante, we'll go Levante third overall. Yeah, Brennan so. Rice really showed that big play potential last year. I'm telling you what, man. These receivers, by the way, the only receiver off the team from last year is KD. Everyone's back. So that's really exciting for the receivers. Ryan, who do you think? Third. 
and I'm, receiving yards. I'm also going to go with Demetri Stanley, and uh, for the reason is I think now with you know kind of Vonte and Brendan Rice, um, you know, maturing a little bit more as players uh, gives Demetri or gives the coaches. Uh, a chance to put Dimitri in uh, really successful positions, especially as a slot guy. Get him in, you know, running across, uh, you know, the middle of the field, um, making linebackers choose to whether either come up and play the line of scrimmage or have to drop back and and try to get in passing lanes. And um, like I was telling you uh, before we were. Uh, started recording Tyler is um, Dimitri Stanley actually runs track for CU as well so he's a burner and I think he actually he either runs the 100 or the 200 so you know he's fast Um, so yeah I'm gonna go with Dimitri Stanley as well and uh, yeah I I think he's gonna have a huge year all right next question who if any will be the non-quarterback to complete a pass this season we see any (laughs) trick plays I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb a little bit here I'm gonna go a little different direction usually you think receiver right right I'm gonna go running back because I think you're going to see some two running back sets out there different ways to get creative and, and make a play. I'm going to go. I have no idea if either Jarek Broussard or Alex Fontenot can throw the ball, <laughs> if any of them are any good at it. But I'm going to go Alex Fontenot. I think he can. I think they, they can maybe do some option stuff with him where he's got some, some RPO situations going on. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. I like that. It's not a bad answer. Well, we'll tr- except Jared wants to see... You know, Shiv running the wishbone this year. Jared wants those two running backs. I'm, I'm into it. Why not? Hey, three yards, two tight ends, three running. <laughs> let's let's bring in uh, what is it? Jail stacks the the 240 yeah. pounder. Yeah, there Come you on, go. let's um, do it. So, it, it, am I remembering correctly? Is it Dimitri Stanley who's left-handed who oh, has had you know, a few of these before? Is that Dimitri? You know, I'm not sure. Let's see if he threw a pass last year. He did. He had uh, one pass attempt last year. It was last year, so it is Dimitri. So I'm going Dimitri, and he's a lefty, right? (laughs) I don't remember. I don't recall specifically. Uh, I'm going Dimitri. That's my guy. We're going to take him Let's see if their website. I'm on cbus.com right now. Is that that like a HIPAA violation to to say what hand he is? Is that that personal information? (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's on your driver's license. I'm not sure if they would specify that anyway. Like, why would that be? Let's see. Yeah, you're going to have to do some digging to figure out which which hand he's Well, you know, <laughs> hey, cubus.com does a great job of, yeah. uh, of of breaking it down here. They actually so. do. I love uh, going to cubus.com for... Uh, well, while Jared's looking that up. Yeah, um, so if you want mine, Tyler, I'm yeah. coming from the the bleachers over here, okay? I think it's going to be a fan? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know who it is. But whoever holds for field goals, oh, that's who's going to be the first non-QB. Oh. It may be Drew Carter now, right? Know, if oh. it is a QB, then that just sounds stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? so I'll just uh, I'll go with uh, Josh Watts, our punter. There you go. Why not, right? Josh Watts. <laughs> little insurance. Ooh, and how about this? Every time Josh Watts goes, it's getting electric <laughs> with Josh Watts. <laughs> Except we hope not to see him too often, I guess. Yeah, Jerry, he's still looking for no, his... It's, I got nothing. Okay. It does not say on there. <laughs> I didn't think yeah, we'd find yes, it. Yes, Tyler, he's I, left-handed. I, just I, just I, answer I, the man. I tried to Google search it, too. It does not show up there. Oh, I was moving God. on to pictures. We got nothing. All right, let's move on. Who will lead the team in each category? Sacks, tackles, and interceptions. I will go first. Sacks. Going with my boy, Carson Wells. I think he gets into the backfield. Disruption this year coming from Wells. I'm going to go Wells leading the team in sacks. Tackles, Nate Landman. I think Nate's going to have a 
kind of like Jared said, you know, big year. I expected the same similar production. Um, maybe not the discrepancy we saw last season, but I think Nate will lead the team in tackles. And interception, I'm going Christian Gonzalez because I think that while he won't get picked on as much as he did last year, CU is balanced now at cornerback. Uh, so when he gets picked on, uh, when he gets thrown at, he's shown every... Uh, every ability to be physical, to attack the play. So I think that goes for interceptions. We haven't seen a ton of it so far, but I'll take Christian Gonzalez uh, leading the team in INTs this year. What do you got, Jared? I am going to go for sacks. We're going to go Terrence Lang. He's a guy that was very disruptive last year, didn't lead to a ton of sacks, but it is he was a guy that made a lot of plays in the backfield. I think that translates this year into sacks. So I think Terrence Lang is going to be the sack leader for the Buffs. You got to go Nate Landman. For, yeah, for you got to go. I, Nate, I don't right? think there's any question, yeah. right? As long as he can stay healthy, he's going to lead this team in tackles. Uh, for interceptions, I'm going to go actually to the safety position. I'm going to go Isaiah Lewis, a guy that really came on Boom. strong throughout the course of last year. I think he builds off of that and has a big 2021 leading the Buffs in interceptions. I like that. Let's All say right. like six uh, of them. I think you need like six of them. Ooh, I like the specific yeah. call out too. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Who leads the team in sacks, tackles, and interceptions? Sacks also going uh, with with Carson Wells. Yep. Um, I Carson. think that um, just like you were talking about with um, the improvement of the linebacking room, I think that's going to free him up to edge rush a, a lot more. Um, and my bold prediction for Carson. Bold. Bold prediction. He's going to be dealing at least one sack a game. Ooh. <laughs> now, is that average or is that actually one sack game? Because you could have a three sack game. Which... So we're going to go average. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, so over at, 12. So like at that. the end of the year, we're going to have over 12 sacks. That's nice. That's Carson. a good number. Oh, yeah. Well, what was he at last year? He six was and a half. six and a half yeah. and six games. So absolutely. So, he was on he's pace, on for pace that. baby. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's so, what we're talking about. Uh, obviously, yeah, again, Nate Lamon, he's, he's, he's a beast. Um, I think. I mean, he has nothing to prove. All he's going to do is just increase his draft stock this year. Yeah. Um, and then I'm actually going to go Christian Christian Gonzalez as well for INTs. Um, I think that uh, he played – he obviously played well last year, but I think um, teams are going to still need some convincing, so I think they're going to try to pick on him a little bit more. Yeah, I think he's ready to take that next step this season. All right. I, I hope they do. Next question. How many rushing touchdowns will Brennan Lewis have? How many rushing touchdowns? Now, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going four, okay? And I think they're all going to come from distance because when the buffs are close, why risk injury? You're already thin at quarterback, and you got a lot of running backs to go uh, to, to give the ball to. Really good offensive line, and with play action, some you got some uh, options to, to throw the ball to you know, when you're down there. So for rushing touchdowns, I don't know if Brendan Lewis is going to get a lot of opportunities that are of called plays, scrambles, uh, you know, broken plays, things like that. But uh, I'll go four for the season. So I was actually going to say the exact same number, uh, but I'm going to play the no, prices right, right you, now, you, you, and I'm going to go five. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> smart. Look, prices right rules closest to the hole. Uh, so and exactly, I kind of following your thought process there that if they get down into the red zone, in down on the goal line, you're actually not. I don't think going to see Brandon Lewis running a lot. They're obviously thin at the quarterback position now. It's a lot more congested there. He's not a real big guy. He's not the guy that you're going to you know run up the gut or anything, you know, so I think more than anything, you're going to see that stable of running backs getting the ball on the goal line, so unless he's getting a 20, 30-yard touchdown, which he'll get a few, right? Exactly. he'll get a few, uh, that's where I think you're going to see. So I'm going to go five, one up on yours. Ryan, what do you got? 
God, it's, it's, so, do it's it. so hard. Don't you do it. <laughs> what, go three? <laughs> no, I was going to say go six. Don't go six. Don't trap me in there. <laughs> yeah, <picture. laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm having a hard time putting, putting a number on it, but I think you guys are right in kind of in that three to five ballpark there. Um, again, they're, they're not going to – I think it would be interesting to see what kind of like – Philosophy-wise, offensively, they they changed after that injury to JT Shrout. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll I'll say I'll say six just to uh, mess with Jared. <laughs> but but yeah, I th- I think I think we're uh, we're right on in that three to five range. All right, last question here: How many different wide receivers will score a touchdown? And I'm going to spread the love here. I think six receivers score a touchdown. Wow. I know, I know, but I'm not saying high numbers. But I think they spread it out. And I mean, last year here, let me pull it up. Receiving touchdowns. Is it specific receiving one, in this category, two, or three, uh, can we go touchdowns from yeah, running backs it has out to of the be backfield? A, uh, no receiver. Yeah, okay. how many different receivers? Well, so last year there was one, two, three, uh, four. So four: Jalen Jackson, Dimitri Stanley, Rice, and uh, Maurice Bell. By the way, you know Bell got injured a month ago, so he's out for the year. Yeah. Achilles heel, but uh, or Achilles tendon, but Brady Russell was the other touchdown catcher. Last year. But look, more opportunities this year. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more. And here's the other thing: when CU inevitably, I think, shows what a great, efficient running team they can be, there's a lot of play action opportunity in areas like the red zone. So the Buffs may be working on that, may be uh, leading to more touchdown passes. I- I'm going to go less than that. Not that I don't think guys are going to get on the field. Uh, I just think you know you don't you aren't scoring. 20 touchdowns a week you know there's limited opportunities you're going to be running the ball a lot uh, i'm going to say four i think four receivers get touchdowns this year ryan what you got how many receivers put it in the end zone this year uh yeah i'm going i'm going five i think um yeah I, they're going to be listen they got a lot of playmakers to spread the love to so um I think uh, I think we're going to have a real successful uh, wide receiver room, but uh, yeah, I'll go five different guys. All right, and then before we get out of here today, I mean, do you guys have anything you want to add? Do you guys have anything uh, additional? Do you guys find as you lead up to the season? I haven't played football since in fifteen years, right? Uh-huh. But do you guys find that you still like the nerves start to, to set in? Oh, like, for sure. I'm Absolutely. waking up anxious, sure. you know. I'm it's, like, it's especially like when you're in the stands and they're getting ready to run Ralphie, and you, and you just have that like that feeling in the pit of your oh, stomach yeah. or you feel like you're going to get sick or like just go crazy. Yeah. Dude, Buffs football. It just means so much to me. And I know how many people out there in Colorado in the region, it's just, I, I like Ryan said, you kind of get that feeling in your stomach. You get excited. It's that time of the year. I love Buffs football. It's really the only thing that, you know, like kind of, I, I plan my life around, you know, it's like, well, I can't do, if, if anyone right now tries to make plans with me on October 30th, my answer is sorry, they're at Oregon. I'm watching the game that day. Well, what about before? I'm my whole day is going to be around to see you. So that's one of the few things I plan my life around the buffs, their schedule. And it just means so much that I'm, I'm so excited to get this year going. Just wait till you're married. It's the only thing that makes it on my family <laughs> calendar are CU games. And it's just blocked off for all day. There's well, no time. It's all day. Well, and Tyler, you know what uh, being like that is? What's that? Great parenting. <laughs> right. All right. Before we get out of here, special teams. We haven't talked a lot of special teams at all. Uh, obviously, Evan Price, you know, should be the starting kicker for uh, the buffs this year. But really good things coming out of camp about fresh, true freshman kicker Cole Becker. Have you guys seen this about Cole? I don't know. Yeah. I guess the kid has absolute ice water in his veins. Darrell's like, we tried rattling him over and over. He just does his job. And I guess he missed one kick in practice the other day when everyone's hazing in, trying to confuse. And he's 
pissed about it. Like he let it <laughs> sit with him. So they brought him in to be the next great kicker of CU. We all know what a great history we have here of kickers. And I just kind of wanted to bring that out there. Cole Becker, I don't know if we'll get to see him much this year, you know, given Evan Price. Okay, and what I'm he's looking. Done. Evan Price is only a sophomore. He's another one of those yep. guys that's just like he's been there forever. I know there was another Price before him. Is it David? No, not David. It was... Uh, I don't remember. Evan, or wait, this is Evan Price. Uh, there was an older brother. It was Price. David Price, I think. David Price, I think, is a pitcher. No, yeah, we, we, they, they can have David the same Price name. is a common name, Jerry. What? Let's look it up no. here. David Price, Colorado. Yeah, I, I deal with that every day of my life. Well, here, yeah, there, right. Well, I looked up. Yeah. So I looked up David Price, Colorado. Looks like there's a realtor in Arvada named David Price. Hey, shout out, David Price. <laughs> shout out. Yeah, so I'm not sure. But, Anyways, uh, that might be where our confusion is of why we feel like Evan's been there Davis forever. Davis Price. Davis. So close. And that was only a couple years ago. I knew it started uh, with 2019. <laughs> Samsonite. I was way <laughs> off. All right, anyway, uh, appreciate you guys for joining us this week. This is our last preseason show. So starting next week, we'll be in regular season form as well. We'll break down the UNC game and uh, get ready for the Buffs to start their 2021 campaign. For Jared All, Ryan Smith, I'm Tyler Walgie. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.